All right, Hebrews chapter 13. If you found that, why don't you stand? We'll read together God's Word. <clears throat> chapter 13, we'll start in verse 7 and read down to verse 16. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 7. <clears throat> Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city. We seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Join me as we pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, that you would speak and open eyes to see how good you are. Open ears this morning that have been shut off to the gospel. Draw people to yourself and do it in grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You have in front of you, in the, in the passage that we read, you have in front of you what appears to be a sort of final speech by a general to troops that it sounds like they're marching off to war. If Winston Churchill could rally the English people with a speech, it sort of feels like that's what this writer is doing for his church. Now, we have spent the last 12 chapters. I watched... Uh, Kyler preached uh, last week. I preached in First Baptist Roanoke. Then I watched his sermon at one point, or at least most of it. I uh, didn't get through the whole thing. Not because it wasn't good. Kyler was great. I just had stuff I had to do. And uh, Kyler mentioned that, uh, that for 12 chapters, the preacher's been saying that Jesus is better. Amen. That really has to be what Hebrews is about. That Christ is better. That His love is truer, that His grace is deeper, that His affection, that He is worth your life, He is worth your love, He is worth your all, He is worth your fortune. And the preacher, as he brings his argument down to a close, that's what he's doing here, we're almost at the end, as he brings his argument down to a close, he ends it with practical steps for living your life in a world that hates the God of the Bible. In a world that hates the God we believe in. 
Now, I got a simple job today. <clears throat> My job is to take God's Word, the Bible, and use it to open your eyes to the riches of grace found at the cross of Christ. My job is to take the Bible and, and to strengthen your spine and stiffen your resolve so that you might live in this world and flourish in this world as a child of God. These are not friendly times for Christians. And yet, here we are, by God's grace, here we are, secure in His love, confident in His provision. We are prepared to fear nothing but God and to live only for the Lord Jesus. The time for cultural Christianity has passed. There is now a target placed on the back of biblical Christians. Just this week, on Wednesday, a major hurdle was crossed in the Senate to codify into law so-called same-sex marriage. Up to this point, it's been legal. Now, they're working to make it a law so that it would be against the law to talk like I'm talking right now. This has been done with the help of two North Carolina senators, Republicans. In essence, what is being said, in essence, this will mean that anyone who does not fully recognize fully recognized so-called same-sex marriage will be outside the law of the land. That means us. We believe what the Bible has given us, that, it, that marriage is good, that, that God created it as good for humans to flourish. That marriage is a gift of God given to men and women at creation. That marriage is a contract under God between a biological female and a biological male. That marriage is given as a means of human flourishing and a and a, Paul uses it in Ephesians 5 as a picture of the good gospel of God. Now this country can depart from God's word, but this church never will. There is now no political party that is friendly to Christians. There will be no quarter given to those who have a half-measure approach to being a Christian. In the works of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And today what I want to do is just use this passage to summon you into the deep waters of grace found in the, the life, the, the beautiful life of Jesus, the, the death of Jesus on the cross, and the victorious resurrection of Christ. Look, as Christians, we are no longer pillars of society. We are pariahs. 
Let us then embrace that with joy. And as verse 13 says, let's go to Him, to Jesus. Let's go outside the camp and joyfully bear the reproach that He endured. Take heart, brothers and sisters. Our life is hidden in Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those of those who have faith and preserve our souls. By God's grace, by God's grace, you are going to make it. Amen. We take this passage and embedded in this passage are several ways to flourish in a world that hates God. You see, I'll say, the, I'll say it like this. God made you to flourish in evil times. God made you to flourish in evil times. Let's, let's take a look at the passage and just pick out a few things that might be helpful to you. Go with me there to verse 7 and you'll find the first point. Number one, we need to find, find good heroes. Heroes, people you look up to. Be careful who your heroes are. Be careful whose jersey you wear. Be careful what singer makes you cry. Be careful what star influences your fashion. Look, I had, I had heroes coming up. I had heroes. My heroes were Evil Knievel, Elvis Presley, Clint Eastwood, and Mean Joe Green. <laughs> the guys that I looked up to. The problem is you grow up, if you, you become an adult, and you find out, well, Evil Knievel broke every bone in his body. Elvis Presley was probably a drug addict. Clint Eastwood was a serial adulterer. And Mean Joe Green faded off into obscurity. Now, I can appreciate their talents. I can enjoy their show. What I can't do is pattern my life after that. The preacher then says in verse 7, we need people. We can pattern our lives after. What does he say in verse 7? Notice what, notice what he says. Remember your leaders, and then he defines it. Those who spoke to you the word of God, and he gives us clarity even further. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Remember the ones that went on before you. Those that actually shared the gospel with you. Those that pointed you to the goodness of God. Look at the outcome of their faith. That is to say, these are probably people that are dead. Those that went before you lived for Christ a good life, and you've seen it, and you can imitate that. Those that loved God, showed you the power of the gospel, pointed you to Christ. Verse 7 says, what you need to do is think about the word consider. You see that word? Consider, think about the outcome of their faith. Think about the end game. Think about that man's example. Look, this is why a, um, this is why a Christian funeral is so important. It's good for Christians to go there to the graveyard to stand over or go to the church where the funeral will be and stand over the dearly loved saint that went on before you, that man that lived a simple life for the glory of God for the gospel, and consider the outcome of his way of life. How he made it through. I mean, think about, 
if you had a father that a father that walked with the Lord and now has gone to be with the Lord, or a mother that walked with the Lord, or somebody you respected that, that now has gone to be with the Lord, this preacher's saying, look, you're going to walk through this world, you need to think about that man's life. Consider the outcome of his way of life. How he made it through difficulty, how he was true to his spouse, how he remained faithful, how he overcame adversity, how he did hard things in the name of Jesus. Think about that. And the preacher says, think about them and then live, imitate them, verse 7, live like they did. Look, as Christians, our heroes are not on TikTok. As Christians, our heroes are not on TikTok. They're in the graveyard. Or, or, or better still, they are in chapter 11. They are in the great cloud of witnesses waiting on us. I mean, even the Apostle Paul would say, you, you follow me, but do it as I follow Christ. This is why Christians ought to have a history. That's why we need to know our own history, not so you can be smart and know what happened behind us, it's so you can look back and see faithful people. That's why you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Why? We see faithful people. Consider how they lived and then imitate them. Need an example? Pick, pick a dead one. Because a live one, if he's still alive, he might, there's still a chance he's going to let you down. Pick a dead one. Pick a dead one. Become an expert on that guy's life or that woman's life. One that, one that had a, the gospel in her heart and, and praise on her lips and a life that showed it. You see, God made you to flourish in evil time, but we need to have the right, the right heroes. Let me give you something else to consider. You'll find it. That's verse 7. Drop down to verse 8 with me. Number 2, you need to become an expert on Jesus. You need to be an expert on Jesus. Now, for some people, verse 8 is the most well-known verse in the entire book of Hebrews, and with good reason. You should circle verse 8. There is great security found in verse 8. Let's, uh, let's read it and then talk it through. Do you want me there in verse 8? <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So think with me now the context. Verse 7 says, what does verse 7 say? Verse 7 says, remember the leaders that have gone on, how they lived, imitate their life. Verse 8 says, but don't forget, there is an eternal chain, an eternal changeless one. That the eternal changeless living Christ is still alongside of us, that He will never leave us, that He is with us, that He is the same Yesterday and today and forever. So think about, just break all those things down. Keep looking at the, at the text. So if you think about the, the great eons of yesteryear, look back in history, turn around, look back, and there we see Jesus dying on the cross in our place. That's yesterday. Today, what do we think about today? Today, what is he doing? Today, he has ascended into heaven and he is interceding. There is a man in heaven interceding on our behalf at the right hand of God the Father. Now, how do we look out into the forever? Into the forever, one day Jesus will return for His church and His children. Hallelujah. Jesus is the same. Brothers and sisters, it's the same help. 
It's the same grace, His forgiveness, His guidance, His presence, His love for you. It's the same. That Jesus is still the friend of sinners. If, if Jesus is the same, if He is the same, and this text says He is, then His gospel is the same. Gospel. Let me give you that good news. <clears throat> if you're a guest with us here this morning, this is what it takes for you to actually become a Christian. Let me explain it to you. The Bible teaches, I'll give it to you in summary form. The Bible teaches that God as the creator, God created everything including you. That God created you in His image. You have dignity because you have the image of God in you. But the image of God in every human, including you, has been disfigured by sin. That sin is not just a problem for us. It actually is a breaking of the law of God. So if God is perfect, He is fully just. And the one who is fully just demands justice. Justice means that sin must be paid for. It's a crime against God. That's the separation between us and God. That's the problem. The fix that the Bible gives us is the gospel. The gospel is that God is not just just. He's also loving and kind. He loves us. And the love He expressed is that He gave His only Son, Jesus, who is fully God and fully man. Now here's how the gospel works. Jesus lived as a man and fulfilled the entire law of God. He kept it. He earned righteousness. Why the cross? At the cross, Jesus goes there as a substitute. So He fulfills. See, God keeps His justice. He, he stays just. He justly punishes a man, Jesus, in the place of sinners so that the justice is held intact and yet the love of God is displayed in such a way it's offered to you that if you will trust that Jesus died for you, the Bible says that you'll be saved. Brothers and sisters... In 2001, a preacher named Brian McLaren wrote a book called A New Kind of Christianity. There is no new kind of Christianity. There is only what Jude calls the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. We need to learn this gospel. We need to, to love this gospel. Do you, do you know the one you believe in? Do you understand the the active obedience of Jesus, that He lived as an obedient man, fulfilling the law of God? Do you understand the earned righteousness of Jesus, that as a man He earned what we could not? Have you come to grips with the, the substitutionary death of Jesus dying on the cross in the place of sinners? It's not just an example. Cer certainly Jesus is our example. But before we get to that, Jesus is our substitute, is our Savior. Have you wrestled in your mind with the victorious resurrection of Jesus that God raised Him from the dead on a Sunday? This is why we go to church on a Sunday and not a Saturday. That He kept the law of the Sabbath, which is a Saturday. And Sunday is resurrection day. This is a day when we are reminded that our Savior is alive. Have you thought about the ongoing intercession of Christ on your behalf to God the Father, that He is interceding even for you right now? Have you walked through in your mind the imminent return of Christ that He one day is coming for you, for His church, for His children? Amen. Have you looked way into the future, into eternal life with Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth? 
We need to find this great joy in Christ. How do we make it in this life? Great joy in becoming an expert on Jesus. So, what are the two points? Verse 7 says, you need to find good heroes. You get that in verse 7. Verse 8 says, you need to become an expert on Jesus, the same today, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Let me give you verse 9. Here's a third point. You want to think through how to make it in a world that hates God. Number three, you need to eat grace and not garbage. Eat grace. This is how creative I am. Eat grace and not garbage. That's what you have in verse 9. Let me read the whole verse. And as I read it, remember context. It's always important. Who is this written by? Who is it written to? What is going on in the circumstance? In the context, the people receiving this letter for the first time, they were believers. They're called Hebrews for a reason. They were Jewish and then converted to Christianity. And then in that context, that some of them were slipping back into Judaism because under Roman rule, the Jews were an accepted religion. It would be easy to slide back into the woodwork and Christians were persecuted. And some people were sliding back into Judaism. But I really think this speaks to our cultural, our current cultural moment. Let me read verse 9. Notice what the text says. <clears throat> Do not be led away. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, this is Judaism, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. What does the preacher say to his people? Don't be led away by the, those diverse and weird and foreign, strange teachings. The command is to stay true. Look, this is why we do expositional preaching. This is why we teach the Bible to our children in Awana. This is why our student ministry is, is based on the Bible. Because it's what our people need. Don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings. The command is to stay, stay true to the faith of the Bible. Stay true to the Word of God that you learned, verse 7, that you learned from your leaders, from faithful heroes, that taught us, verse 8, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see that phrase in the Bible, verse 9, strange teaching or foreign teaching? That's going to mean anything that deviates from biblical Christianity, from the true gospel. And instead of taking that in, the preacher says, don't eat that. That's garbage. He points to something else in verse 9. It's grace. It's, it's good for your heart to be strengthened. See that word strengthened? To be established, to, to be confirmed, to, to be made rock solid by grace. It's important you get a handle on grace. The saving grace of God is found in the gospel. Jesus died in your place and you are saved when you believe that. You turn from your sin and believe that. The forgiving grace of God found at the gospel. God forgives us of our sins because Jesus paid for them at the cross. You have the sustaining grace. Do you, do you know the sustaining grace of God? When, when Paul asked God to remove something and, and God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And when you're going through it, 
and you're struggling and suffering, and you're in pain or even depression, this grace carries you through that. And if God's grace is sufficient for Paul, God's grace in Jesus is sufficient for you. His blessings and His providing, God's, God's grace forgiving you and, and, and healing you, healing you, growing you and stretching you. God's grace, God's grace mend, mending you. God's grace mellowing you. God's grace softening you and changing you and, and working in you. If you don't... Feed on grace, not garbage, not some strange half-truth or empty notions. Let's stay here just for a moment. I, ours is a religion of grace, not works. Think with me now as a Christian, because we get it confused. Works follow grace. They don't earn grace. In other words, you don't, hey, you be, if you'll just be good, you'll go to heaven. Good people go to heaven. They're not a good person in heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. That if you just work hard enough, you be good enough, you'll go to heaven. That's not grace. Grace leads to works. Works follow grace. You're changed by grace, then you work. So if, if you're here today and you feel like I don't measure up. If you feel like that, I don't measure up. You are absolutely right. If you measured up, you see, it wouldn't be grace. That would be you. Grace, you see what it does? It makes us humble. It makes us humble so that we worship God and love people. That, what's our song? That grace saved a wretch like me. God made you to flourish in evil times. He did it, gave us steps. One is to find, a, find people to follow. Verse 7, heroes. Verse 8, the second point is to, to you become an expert on Jesus. And then in verse 9, you need to eat grace and not garbage. I'm going to give you a fourth point. This is 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So I'm taking up a whole, whole bunch of passage, uh, scripture here. Here's the fourth point. Number four, don't be a fence rider. Amen. Don't ride the fence. Don't have one foot in, one foot out. To get that, you've got to read the whole passage and, um, because the preacher really is making one point and it's down at the very bottom, verse 13 and 14, but there's a buildup to it. And uh, we need to make, make sure we get it all. Let's read it and then come back and make the application. So join me there in verse 10. The preacher says, we have an altar, we have an altar from which, he's probably talking about the cross where Jesus died on the cross in our place. Christians don't have an altar, the, but the, the ultimate sacrifice is Jesus on the cross. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent, the tabernacle, he takes Old Testament language, those that are still overdoing the old religion, they don't have a part with us. Then he goes right into the Day of Atonement, verse 11. So, so this is Old Testament language to make a point. He'll get there. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, their carcasses, their dead bodies, are taken outside. They're burned. 
outside the camp. So he, now he takes, draws a straight line. The Old Testament sacrificial system had one purpose, to point us to Jesus. Now look at verse 12. Verse 12. So Jesus, he also suffered outside the gate. John 19 tells us he was crucified outside the gate of, outside the walls of Jerusalem. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. It makes us holy. Verse 13, therefore, here's the point. Verse 13 and 14, the point. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. The people here in this, in this book that this is written to are like me and you. The big temptation then was to find their identity with the people of Israel, to belong with this community of Israel, and that community of Israel would be welcomed by the greater society. The Romans would not mess with them. It was a temptation to keep one foot in that which is acceptable and one foot in Christ. And, and, and honestly... It was so much easier to do 35 years ago when society really didn't clash that much with Christianity. There was still an air of respectability if you were a God-fearing person. Even those that were pagans wouldn't cuss around you much. And that was the worst things we had to think of. That is not the world we live in today. How relevant of a call it is in verse 12 and 13 and 14. That just as the Lord Jesus was rejected by people and suffered outside the walls of Jerusalem, verse 13 says, to be with Christ puts us outside of society. Look, that's where He is. And by the way, this is not performative. We don't do this for Him. Verse 13 says, we're going out there to be with Him. Amen. We go out to Him. I'd rather, be, I'd rather be with Jesus and be ridiculed and broke Amen. than to be accepted by society. Right. Why? Verse 14 tells us why. Why is that? Why? Because we are seeking something. You see verse 14? We are... Here we have no lasting city. We seek the city that is to come. Hallelujah. Do you see the radical nature of biblical Christianity? Do you want that? Yes. What is it that, that, what is it that, what is it that's holding you back? I would invite you to take 13, come outside the camp where Christ is. You see here, we don't have anything that's going to last. We've got no lasting city. We are seeking that which is to come. I'm almost done. Let's walk through it quickly. <clears throat> I'll give you just one more, then, and I'll stop preaching. What do we need to do? We need to find good heroes. That's verse 7. We need to become an expert on Jesus. That's verse 8. Verse 9 tells us we need to eat grace, not garbage. 
And then verse 10 through 14 tells us that don't, don't be a fence rider. Go ahead and commit. And here's the last one, number five. We need to find out, we need to find out what actually pleases God. How do I please God? Let me show it to you, verse 15 and 16. Now you've got to read it all the way through. And at the end, you get the punch, and then we'll come back and see what is it that pleases God. Let me read it. Verse 15. <clears throat> Through Him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Do it quickly. Let's start. What, what pleases God? Here's the first one. Verse 15, you need to get a grasp on the gospel. Get a grasp on it. You see verse 15? Through Him, through Jesus, let us continually, the Bible says, through Him. You need to understand that the only way that you make it to God is on the merits of Christ. You need to put your faith in the death of Jesus on the cross in your place. The only way to go to God is through His perfect life, His atoning death, His victorious resurrection. It's the gospel. It's even why we end our prayers in Jesus' name. It's through Him. Get a grasp on the gospel. Let me give you something else. You'll notice in the text, verse 15, that is we need to praise God no matter what. Amen. Learn to praise God no matter what. Do you see it in verse 15? Through Him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Continually praise God. Certainly it's a sacrifice. Sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes we live under providence. It's a smiling providence. Things are good. It's easy to thank God and praise God for where I am. Oftentimes there's some of you sitting here that have walked through a hard providence and you don't know why. And the preacher says, continually, you praise Him. Look, not only do... Not only do, what did Job say? Though he slay me, I'll praise him. Not only do mature Christians not complain, that's one thing. Maturing Christians, they learn to praise God in all situations. Trust him to carry you through. What else? <clears throat> Here's a third way to please God. That is to verbally tell, verbally tell why. See it in verse 15? Through Him then, let us continually offer up a praise, a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. The lips that say, it's because of Christ. Lips that have a bold witness for the gospel, not an angry, but a joyful witness, acknowledging that that it's God that has done this in your life. It is through Christ. What else? How else do we please God? Come down to verse 16. That is be selfless. Be selfless. See what the text says? Verse 16. Do not neglect to do good. Do not neglect to do good. We certainly have lots of uh, mercy ministries here. Whether it's a closed closet or the food pantry. Those are churches should do that. But this is what God has created you for. Your life is one long mercy ministry. Isn't that what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, when he tells you you're saved by grace, verses 8 and 9, chapter 2, verse 10 says, 
that we are His workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you would walk in them. To not be selfless. I'll give you one last one. How do you please God? You give what you can. Give what you can. Let me show you where I get that in verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and, and, this is the sacrifice, and share. You see that word? That's koinonia. It's where we get fellowship. It's in the context of the church. Share what you have. For that is a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. In the context, there are people sitting in this room that, that never give to the ministry of Hickory Grove. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, one of the ways you please God is when you are giving. When you are giving regularly and methodically and, and proportionately and, and cheerfully. When, when we give, it reminds us of, of God's good grace and His constant provision to us. Giving reminds us of God's love. That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. And because of Jesus, you can make it. God made you to flourish in evil times. Come outside to Him. Come outside the camp where Christ is. Bear the reproach that he, that he endured. Because here we have no lasting city. We seek a city that is to come. Hallelujah. As we close today, I want you to join me as we go into a time of praying. Your heads bowed this morning. We'll go to the Lord and, and just ask Him to help us. We're going to sing again, and when we do... Most of you should sing to the top of your lungs that you love God. Sing in joy to the Lord. Some of you here, if you are not sure about what it means to give your life to Christ, but you've heard it today for the first time, when we sing, if you'd like to come and talk to a pastor, the pastors will be down front here. We would invite you to do that. If not, there'll be pastors in the lobby after church. And if you're not comfortable with that, we are not hard to get a hold of. We want to talk to you so that you have a clear understanding of how Christ will save you when you turn to Him. God has spoken to your heart. When we sing, we'll invite you to come forward. Father, thank you for your word that is good, for your grace that is true. And I pray that the Spirit of God, Lord, would you send the Spirit in such a way that hearts are mended, nourished by grace, call people to yourself, Strengthen us for the task at hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could you stand please as we sing together?